Welcome back and thanks for joining me on another episode of Cybersecurity Graybeard, the podcast that helps students, early professionals, and retrainees learn, grow, and advance in the cybersecurity profession. Make sure to email questions, comments, and episode recommendations to cybergraybeard at gmail.com. Today, I talk about different avenues within cybersecurity. We use terms such as red team, blue team, and purple team when discussing offense, defense, and a merger of the two. I'll go over different technologies, teams that cover each of these areas, and jobs that involve each team. We have these teams and terms due to the size and complexity of the overall cybersecurity profession. I've spent much of the time in this podcast talking about these components, even having certain episodes dedicated to some of these technologies. Now, I bring them all together. I will mention specific earlier episodes that you can either go back and re-listen to or hear for the first time. Some of this detail was covered in seasons one and two, so newer listeners may get to go back into the Cybersecurity Graybeard archive, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. Before I get started, I want to mention Josh B. Mysola, my mentee that's trying to relocate to Canada and study cybersecurity. As you all know, I strongly believe it's important to give back. We need to help those that need our assistance, especially to those that don't have the life benefits many of us do. To help Josh, you can either go to Give, Send, Go, and search for cybersecurity and select fund an international cybersecurity student or click the link in episode notes. Now, on with the show. Some of these areas bleed into each other, explaining clearly why we have some purple team data, red team, and blue team. Some of these jobs cross red to blue and blue to red, creating understandable confusion. If you have specific questions, as always, reach out. If you have a strong disagreement with my classification or description of any technologies, teams, or jobs, let me hear about it. Nearly every section that I'm about to discuss could, and sometimes have, taken an earlier episode, as I mentioned previously. In a little bit, I'll tell you exactly which season and which episodes to check out. My goal here is to explain these teams at a high level just to whet the appetite. When an area I cover below catches your interest, find the episodes related to it, from me or other podcasters that cover it in more depth. I have a couple of links in the episode notes. Check those out. There are a couple in particular. One was an article by Anil Yelkin and the other by Rob Benke. Take a look, read through those, and gain additional data. Again, I'm just going to be covering this at a higher level. I can't go into all the detail. As I've said, I have specific episodes dedicated specifically to offensive tools and offensive actions, defensive tools, defensive actions. There is some overlap between those and this. Those episodes are years old. I want to kind of refresh it here, but also tell you, go back and listen to them because that data is still valid. I'm going to go ahead and start here with the red team. Season 2, Episode 9, and Season 2, Episode 10 covered those in detail. And as a matter of fact, the Offensive Tools, which I think was Season 2, Episode 10, is one of the most popular episodes I've had. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. People seem to like it. The Red Team participates in offensive actions. They're attack simulations. These people are usually known as white hat hackers. As I've mentioned before, if I had my career to do over again, I'd focus on this. Back in the 90s when I started, they called this CNA or Computer Network Attacks. Blue teaming was CND, Computer Network Defense. I don't know if the DOD or military still uses those terms. However, I think that they're good attack and defense. They seem to have perception that maybe some don't want to share. I don't care. I'm not the most politically correct. Red team CNA, blue team CND. Bottom line, I like the attack side of the house. Very exciting, very interesting to me. So check out those episodes, Season 2, 9, and 10, if you're interested in more detail. 
I talk there about technologies for vulnerability management. Qualys makes a product called Qualys. Rapid7 makes Nexpos. Tenable makes Nessus. Those are all vulnerability scanners. Bottom line, they go through, they look at applications to find out vulnerabilities and say, hey, you need to patch it. This is an area where an attacker can get in. We see a lot of lateral movement because of vulnerabilities. Log4j and SolarWinds attacks were very good examples where there were vulnerabilities that needed to be patched. I mentioned this before. I'm sure I'll mention it again. One of the greatest hacks of all time is from Equifax because they didn't patch a machine. And even though they had scanned it, they didn't patch it. Their blue teamers did not fix what the red teamers found. Other technologies, Kali Lennox has Metasploit. That's extremely powerful. Again, the Offensive Tools talks a lot about that. And I found a new one by a company called Horizon3.ai. They have a product called Node Zero that does continuous autonomous penetration testing. This is newer technology. It did not exist when I did that episode. This is exciting. This is a way that we're starting to see AI and machine learning come out and assist the red teamers and help them find out where the penetrations can hit. Other technologies, this deals with packet captures with Wireshark or Snort. You have NetSparker, Beef, Aircrack, John the Ripper, and other crackers. Aircrack is a tool that you can go and sniff Wi-Fi networks. John the Ripper is a brute force tool. The Sim, there are Splunk and QRadar and Logarithm. These are technologies that red teamers can use because they're able to see what the blue teamers are able to identify. I'll talk more about the Sim in a little bit. This is a really good example of where you see purple teaming. With the Sim as well as EDR, which is Endpoint Detect and Response, technologies there are CrowdStrike, Cyber Reason, MS Defender, and WebRoot. Other technologies that you're going to want to deal with on the red teaming side, more companies because this is consulting based with No Before, who I did the interview with Perry Carpenter very recently. I think that was season four, episode five. IBM, Proofpoint, these are companies that you can get consultants that will help you with the social engineering aspect of it. With that said, I'm going to move away from the technologies and into the teams. On the red team side, again, we have vulnerability management. This is where you're going to scan identify problems, and hopefully patch. I mean, if you're not patching it, why are you scanning it? You work with the server and application owners when you do vulnerability management, and it's extremely challenging from a process and engagement perspective. A lot of times, owners of either the application or the server don't want to patch it because they can't take the downtime, or they don't want their system to go down because somebody else has an application that needs to be patched. Think about a server in the web farm where you're going to have four, five, six different applications and all of a sudden, you need to worry about patching one and it's going to take down the other two or three. Again, I've talked about this before. I see this all the time in the real world. I deal with it in my job. My wife deals with it in her job. It's extremely important that organizations have the processes in place and the project management in place to allow you to patch the vulnerabilities as quickly as possible. How do you find the owners of the systems? How do you get the business buy-in? Vulnerability management is a profession in and of itself. It's very detailed and it is very lucrative. You can always find a job in it. And that's really on the red teaming side. It bleeds into the blue team because of the patching component, but the scans themselves I would identify as red teaming. That goes into penetration testing. Scan, scan, scan. When you do a pen test, you are port scanning. That's going to lead to an opportunity for penetration. And then once you get in, because there's an open port and you find a vulnerability or you have credentials, you're then able to escalate into the system, get more credentials, get deeper into the environment, and finally gain access to critical data, personally identifiable information. On the HIPAA world with healthcare, it would be EPHI, 
electronic protected health information. That's what the black hat hackers are trying to do. Pen testers need to find it before the attackers do. And then the pen testers work. And this is where purple comes in. I'll talk about it in a little bit. That's where the, the red teamer works with the blue team and say, hey, I did the pen testing. I found these problems. Now go fix it. And that's the working together that makes the purple. Continuing with the red team, you have exploit development. And Holborn is an organization that will help you with this. I quoted one of their articles in here, and I have a link for it, so check that out. It's by Rob Benke. Exploit development, it establishes how a vulnerability can be used to overtake the system. Just finding a vulnerability is not a big deal unless you know how to exploit it and how do you take it. Exploit development, I think, is a cousin of threat hunting that I'll talk about on the blue team. And I think, think I've talked about that before, but I'll get into it. On the red side, though, it's exploit development. Here, you're going to need to have coding skills. You want to have knowledge about decompilers, disassemblers, and debuggers. Same type of thing with malware analysis. On the forensic analysis side, that ties into the CSERT or the Computer Security Incident Response Team or Cybersecurity Incident Response Team. Again, another acronym with a couple of different definitions. Bottom line, malware analysis and exploit development, similar skill sets. You're gonna to need to again know about the coding and the debuggers. This is another good example of the red team, blue team merge that's gonna make a purple team because once you have the forensic analysis on the problem, you need to know how to put it together and how to fix it and how to prevent it. If you scan and you find a problem and you don't do anything about it, then what's the point in finding it? And that's where purple teaming comes in. Then the last one is going to be social engineering, phishing, hacking the human. Again, take a listen to season four, episode five for more on this. It's easier to hack the human than hack a system. Attackers are learning more and more about this mechanism and they use psychology to directly and indirectly gain access to systems. What I mean by that is physically getting into the environment and tricking so they can get access. Other ways is on the phone or email. Bottom line, social engineering is a great threat. I actually had a customer years ago that when they hired their pen tester, they told them, don't worry about hacking into the environment. We don't want to pay you for that. We're going to give you an authenticated box in our environment and we want you to do lateral tests. And their reasoning for it was we knew that the pen testers would be able to socially engineer their way into our environment. So why bother paying them for it? They knew it was a gap and that's why they really wanted to lock down the lateral movement. The final thing on the red teaming I want to talk about are what jobs are associated with this. You have a security analyst and an IT analyst. SOC analysts can be considered on the red team. I think of them more as a blue team or purple team, but some people do argue that SOC analysts do need to have knowledge of vulnerability scan capability as well as pen testing. So I'm cool giving SOC analysts in the red as well as the blue. Computer security incident response team, I just mentioned that, CSERT, an intelligent analyst, a threat hunter, Again, that's blue or red. I'm putting it down here on red because they're actively going out and looking for threats that are in the environment. They're proactively scanning to see what problems exist. And then these last two also can really be anywhere in security. And that is salesmen, saleswomen, project managers, documentation folks, process engineers, all of those jobs people don't seem to think are in cybersecurity. And yes, they are. You don't need a technical background to be a cybersecurity professional. And then finally, executive management, CIO, CISO, and CTO, Chief Information Officer, Chief Information Security Officer, and Chief Technology Officer. These guys all need to be involved with red team and they need to know what is available and they're the ones that need to pay to have this happen. They need to make sure it's not just sitting back on the blue team, which most people I think think about when they're figuring about cybersecurity. They think about the defense side of the house. Blue team, season two, episode six, 
Season 2, Episode 7. It's where I talk about defensive tools and defensive actions. I find it interesting. These episodes do not have the downloads as the offense. I think people are, again, like me, more interested on the offensive side. But professionally, I think there's more jobs out there, more opportunity on the blue team. It's where I spent the majority of my career, and I think it's kind of funny how this works out. I prefer the offensive side. When I'm watching sports, I love the offense in football and in hockey. I want to see goals and touchdown. When I played sports, I was a left wing in soccer. I was a forward in basketball. When I played football, I was a wide receiver or a running back. I want to do the offensive side. I don't know how or why my professional life ended up on the defensive side. However, it is what it is. Make sure you know what you want and find jobs that align. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my job. I love my career. I love my life. I do look back and wonder, though. Don't make the same mistakes as me. Find your passion and go for it. The technologies that I'm going to talk about here were really covered pretty in depth in Season 1, Episode 6, 7, 8, and 9. I went into detail on the following. EDR, which is the Endpoint Detect and Response, Identity and Access Management, Firewalls, Intrusion Detection and Intrusion Prevention, Email Protection, Mobile Device Management, Web Application Firewalls, VPN, SIM, which include QRadar, Splunk, and Logarithm. Exabeam is a new technology. ArcSight is an older SIM technology. You have Palo Alto, Cisco, Checkpoint, Fortinet, Juniper, and many other vendors that do both networking and firewalls. There's a very strong overlap. That's why you see Cisco in there and Juniper, two of the biggest routing companies that also deal with firewalls. Executive management tools. You need to know about these technologies. Reporting, ticketing customer relationship management software, vendor management software, business intelligence and performance management, some of the specifics, a product called Archer, ServiceNow, Remedy, the Elk Stack, SAP, which acquired Crystal Reports, which for many years was an extremely powerful reporting tool, so SAP grabbed it. Cognos is another one, a business intelligence tool. They were grabbed up by IBM. Another one is Service Desk. There are so many tools out there, and earlier this season, I talked about the depth of applications, You definitely need to know what's going on with these technologies. Do some research, identify what you're interested in, and go down the path and learn about those. EDR, Identity and Access Management, and firewalls are very lucrative, very important, and a lot of skills are needed for that. So check those out if you really want to get started and you're not sure where. Blue teaming, you're going to work on the incident response team. These folks are known as the paratroopers. These folks travel. It's high pressure and high stress. When you read an article that says an organization brought in an outside company to help them identify what happened, it was the incident responders that went in. They went to find out the scope of the breach, what was taken, how the people got in, who the people were. They analyzed the TTP, the tactics, techniques, and procedures. Incident responders, more seasoned individuals, usually you're going to have at least five years experience. Who knows though, maybe you can get started as a junior person in there, as an early professional if they want to have some youth coming up. Incident response, very technical, very high pressure, and some good travel opportunities if you're interested in that. The next one, and I talk about this all the time, security operations, the SOC, Security Operations Center. It is a fantastic place to start in cybersecurity. It, it socks are to security what the knock is to networks and what help desk is to the entire IT support organization. It's really the front line of defense. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Start at help desk, move to a knock and get detailed networking experience, then you can move to the SOC. Once you're in the SOC, it is very easy to go anywhere you want in a technical cybersecurity field because in the SOC you see all the attacks. You see what's happening. You're working with everybody. 
all the sides of the house, red team, blue team, and obviously purple team when you're dealing with a SOC. Get into the SOC to get started. That is where your cybersecurity professional journey really can begin. Other teams, IT network and systems, these are the folks that usually have fingers on keyboards for the firewalls, the routers, intrusion prevention, operating system hardening and patching. That's going to be system administration for the OS level. Networks is a great place to start as well. Everybody in networking, you are by definition, in my opinion, a cybersecurity professional. And then if you want to move from the firewall team to identity or to OS hardening, it's easy to leapfrog around. And that's why getting into the SOC first is good because you can see a whole bunch of things. Some places want you to have more experience and that's where the knock is going to come into play. And then lastly, jobs for the blue team. System administrator, a knock or SOC analyst, application administrator or owner, who is running your cyber reason or your CrowdStrike or your identity and access management? Who sets it up? Who configures it? All of these people are cybersecurity professionals. If you're administering an application involved in cyber, you're a cybersecurity defender. Implementation engineers for any of the blue team technologies, a help desk agent, network engineers, again, sales, project management, documentation, process engineering. Great real-world example. You could have a project manager that's responsible for deploying a SIM, and we would call that a blue team project manager. You may have a project manager who's responsible for coordinating between outsourced red team attacks to a customer. That project manager is a red team project manager, and they'll bounce between the two. And I've seen this personally, where you'll have some people that are doing red teaming project management, and then the next week they get a project where they're a blue teamer. They're a perfect example of what the purple team is. And then the last one, as I mentioned before, executive management. Your CIO, CISO, and CTO, they better understand all this. If you don't understand red team and blue team and purple team, and you're in the executive, you've got some learning to do. That takes me to the last piece, that's purple teaming. Purple teaming is a relatively newer term. The example that I want to give is in professional sports. We have scrimmages where you're going to take the offense side of the team and they're going to play against the defensive side of the team. The purple team is the exact same thing. It does not make sense for the defense to practice without talking to the offense. In hockey or football or soccer or pretty much any team-on-team event, the attackers ask the defenders what they're looking for and looking at and defenders ask the attackers what weaknesses they have in practice. So when it's game time, they're aware. A great example is the defensive back is going to ask his quarterback, what are you looking for when you see routes? I need to know how to jump in front of the route, and I want to know from the quarterback how I can get in his mind, and then I can take that data against the other quarterbacks that I'm going to compete against. Purple teaming is the exact same thing. When I'm a defender running a sim, I want to talk to the person that is running Metasploit and find out exactly what they're looking for so I can harden the box before they get there. That is what purple teaming is. They are scrimmages in the cybersecurity space. Purple teams have different mechanisms. I mentioned this briefly before. I'll do it again. Authenticated versus unauthenticated. Are you going to force your pen tester to break into the environment and then look for credentials and then do privilege escalation? Absolutely legit that you would do it. The example I gave earlier about my FinServe customer, they didn't want to waste the money on that. They already knew where their weaknesses were. That's great. Customize your pen test based off of your needs. The purpose, collaboration and coordination. It is a joint approach. Improve detection capabilities and performance. Purple teaming grows knowledge on both sides as well as insights from the activities. Another thing you can do with this is industry coordination. I heard a great example where a state government brought in their vendors and then their county and municipality cyber teams and they had an entire day event 
for purple teaming. And they talked about processes and procedures, and then they did real world testing. It's very similar to the cyber range and the tabletop that I'm about to talk about. Don't work alone. If you're in the banking sector, talk to other banks or credit unions or insurance companies. If you're in healthcare, talk to other hospitals or talk to the insurers. You're defending against the same entities. You want to know what they're doing so you can learn from them and you want them to learn from you. We should not be going alone in cybersecurity defense. We all have the same weaknesses. We need to look in each other's dirty sock drawers, if you will, and get better. That is where the cyber ranges and the industry coordination come to play. Cyber range. These are remote professional environments that allow companies to do real-world exercises. It's similar to tabletop. However, these involve scripted activities to test and educate your cybersecurity professionals. And a lot of times, cyber ranges are going to be brought in for executives and the business side of the house to actually see what their cyber teams in-house should be doing. It's kind of, hey, this is the best world. This is our professional cyber range. Are you doing this? If not, what are you missing? And what will it take for you to get here? That's a cyber range. Tabletop exercises, they are on-site or remote. If you don't have the ability to do it inside because you don't have all the tools, you can go to organizations. And there are specific activities to simulate attacks and intrusions. And in the notes, I have a link to CISA. It's the Government Cybersecurity Agency, which has really good white papers on tabletop. Take a look at them, just a couple, or take a look at more. Maybe you take it back to your organization, and even as a newer professional, say, hey, did some research, and I found these tabletop exercises at CISA. Can we go ahead and do this? It'll help you advance technologically, and it'll also give you some kudos, I think, with your leadership for taking some initiative to go outside of the box. A lot of times, these tools are third parties. IBM does some, RedScan, FR Secure. There's a whole lot. If you just Google purple teaming and purple teaming vendors, you're going to find a lot. I have links to RedScan and FR Secure. I thought they are pretty interesting. You could take a look at those links in the episode notes. Lastly, on the purple teaming, it requires solid project management, scheduling, dedication, and financial engagement. Your leadership needs to buy in on purple teaming because you're stopping your regular job to go do this. It is not just about training. It is not just about partnership. It is about enhancing the cybersecurity defenses of your organization. And as I've said it before, and I've presented at conferences on this, if your executives are not going to buy in, you are not going to succeed in cybersecurity. And purple teaming is a perfect example as to where the leadership needs to engage. Then the last piece I want to talk about on the purple teaming, why does it matter? We need to keep up with the attackers. From my perspective, we're losing. I think defenders are losing. Cyber criminals onslaught, they continue, and they are unabated in my mind. They are larger. They are more devastating. They are more impactful. Take a look at the Ukraine as a perfect example. We have issues between China and Taiwan. It's just a mess. And what I see out in the real world, it doesn't look to me like it's getting better. Companies are switching their tools. They're laying off people. They're reorganizing the organization. We need to focus. We need to train like we fight. Purple teaming is a great example for that. Take your teams, go to the cyber range, do tabletop, train like we fight. And we need to do it regularly. Our defenders need critical mass. We need to be doing the work playing with the technology, using the technology, working with it. We need to continually improve our knowledge and our processes. Purple teaming does that. We need ongoing skill acquisition with the upcoming technologies such as artificial intelligence growing stronger, machine learning, cognitive behavior, 
and the scariest one of all with quantum computing, the attacks will continue, they will be more complex, they will be faster, they will be more dangerous, and they will be more impactful. This is a lot. This is a longer episode than usual. I have pointers to at least seven other episodes. I strongly encourage you to review those episodes that you missed and or that relate more to what you're interested in. Take a look at my episode notes, as I mentioned a couple of times. Take a look at the links and jump to them. Learning cybersecurity is great. It's not as easy as listening to a half an hour podcast. And I do find it interesting that the podcast started out at 10 or 11 minutes and now season four, episode seven in, I'm not even bothered by going up to the 30 minute mark. I see the downloads. I see I have more viewers. I know you enjoy it. I hear your comments. I thank you. I appreciate you. I will continue to produce these episodes. I will continue to help you learn, grow, and advance. Please continue listening and we're going to grow together. This podcast, this episode was designed to whet your appetite. Enjoy your journey. I'll have another episode ready for you next week. And thanks again for listening. Have a great day.